Good evening, family. How are you? Super happy and excited to be with you tonight. My name is Fernando. For those that don't know me, I'm the Spanish ministry pastor. And today, yeah. And today, I have the honor to share the word with you. I'm excited to open the Bible with you, especially because the story that we're going to meditate today is one of my favorite stories. I grew up at church, and so I grew up in something that's called, or way bad, it was called Sunday school. Any of you went to Sunday school? All right, all right, all the Baptists. Uh, but it's, it's, it, was, it was great, and I remember hearing this story. And so before we read it, I just want to show it to you. There's an awesome video that I think you're going to enjoy. your name. Legion. Lord, we beg you, do not send us into the abyss. Let us enter into the herd of swine.
What an awesome story about Jesus and his power to make us free. The title of this, uh, this teaching or our meditation tonight is Jesus Can Make You Free. Do you believe that? So we start in our Bible study, Mark chapter 5, and uh, we're going to start reading verse 1, if you follow me there. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. It's interesting to see in the Bible that, uh, especially the book of Mark, how many miracles are recorded in that book. And you can see that uh, there's eight times that Jesus heals somebody, there's five times that he conquers nature, there's three times that he delivers people from uh, uh, demons, and there's one time that he resurrects himself from the grave. What we learn from this Bible story is that he, Jesus, is powerful. But there's a question, what good is power if there's no love and willingness to help? Or also, what, is, what good is the love and the willingness to help, but you don't have the power to do it? The good news for us today is that Jesus has both. He, he, he is powerful, and he is willing to help. We see in the story, and we saw it right now in, the, in this video, that people fear this man, this possessed man. People will would uh, just run away from him. I think he was probably the boogeyman of that time. I can imagine easily see uh, parents telling their kids, behave, or he's going to come for you. You know, I can see that. I can see people just, uh, his friends trying to avoid him. Even though he knew people, Jesus said eventually, he's going to say, go back to your people. I mean, he had family. He probably had friends. He probably, I don't know, he maybe, he was married. I don't know. But back then, he didn't have nobody. He wasn't, he was by himself. Everybody avoided him except Jesus Christ. We see in the Bible that he traveled a long night. If you remember last week, we were learning that he uh, he went through a storm just to get to the other side. He went through that storm not because he wanted to go through that and just have a nice experience, but he went through that because he wanted to reach this man. He wanted to free him. He wanted to save him. And today, I just want to tell you today that Jesus has the power, he has the love, and he is willing to free you. He is willing to help you. He has everything to help us. He did already. If you feel today that people fear you, that people despise you, I let, let, just remember this. God, Jesus, loves you. He has compassion over you. You feel like nobody cares about you? Well, Jesus cares. He cares about you. Not only that, but he is willing to help you. You feel like you don't belong? Well, Jesus did the impossible to reach you so you can belong to him, so you can belong to his family, so you're not by yourself, but you have the assurance that you have God with you and for you the rest of your life and for eternity. 
This is what the Bible says. This is what the verse one says. Jesus went through that storm just for one person. Imagine, imagine that we're about to do uh, this amazing uh, crusade in Tijuana, Mexico. We're going, uh, we're going to buy, we're uh, going to spend a lot of money, time, effort. We're dealing with so many things because we believe Jesus cares. We believe that Jesus cares. And we, we're not expecting uh, millions of people. We're just expecting God to move. We know God can do it. And if it's only one person that gets saved, saved sorry, it is worth it. It is worth it. So I do encourage you to be part of that. I encourage you to be part of what God is doing because he is doing it right now. He is making us as a church go through a storm. Maybe you're part of that storm. Maybe you're thinking you have heard about Awaken and you're like, I'm not going, especially not Tijuana, right? Uh, I'm going because I love tacos in Tijuana also. But that's not the reason. The reason I'm going is because I believe God loves those people, that my people and your people. And he, he thinks it's worth it. And so we should think the same, right? Imagine this. This man, this uh, uh, demon-possessed man, we don't have a name for him. Could be your name. I don't know. It'd be my name. But he wasn't even a Jew. He was a Gentile. But God, Jesus, loved him. Thank you, God, for his compassion. Thank God for his compassion. Thank, praise Jesus, because he is the hope for the hopeless. And today, as I see each one of you, I know that he already did that to you. Are you thankful that God reached out to you? Are you thankful that he didn't abandon you? That he thought that it was worth it to reach out to you and save you? Because we need to remember that it wasn't us choosing God, but God chose us even before the foundation of the world. And so we should be thankful for that. Our story continues. So Jesus goes through the lake or the big sea, and then as he arrives, we read in verse 2, to five, just uh, follow uh, me in that uh, portion of the Bible, verse two. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with, it, with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could, could bind him, not even the, with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles che- and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. That's, I mean, it's really hard to imagine this. As we read this portion of the Bible, many might think, well, this has nothing to do with me. And even you can say, praise God. And I, it's okay. But I think, you know, I was, I was reading this portion of the Bible. I thought, you know, that's what I thought. This story doesn't have anything to do with me. But as I read it, I see that 
It's actually speaking of me. It, it does have to do with me. I believe God wants you and me today, tonight to understand that this story is there in the Bible because we need to hear this story. We need to understand something. And maybe as we understand that God sees us the same way he sees or he saw this man, we can experience his deliverance, but also experience the joy of knowing God, the joy of serving God, the joy of having a mission, the joy of being changed forever by him. So what do we see in this person? Well, we see a man that lives in defilement and, this, and depravity. This is what we see in this person. The story opens with this man just being submitted by Satan. This man, it's been oppressed. He's hopeless and helpless. This man is being possessed not only by one, but a legion of, dem of spirits, demons. In the Roman, a Roman legion could be from 2,000 soldiers to 6,000 men. So we don't know how many demons this man actually had, but we know that there was 2,000 pigs that died after this story. So either he had 2,000 uh, demons in him or 6,000, but he was in great, great trouble and despair. And he was in great depravity in his own life. Um, this, but this is the thing. Sometimes we think, oh, this is not me. But you know that the Bible says that each one of us were prisoners before God. The Bible says that each one of us needed desperately to be saved by Jesus Christ. This is what the Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 3. And you have made a life who were dead in the trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among who also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind, and were by nature, nature sorry, children of wrath, just as the others. So you can see there's no difference between this man and us. By nature, we were sons of wrath. By nature, we were enslaved. By nature, we were walking according to the prince of the air, according to Satan. That's me in the past. That's you in the past. And maybe if you don't have Jesus in your heart, that's you right now. And you, you need to understand that as this man needed Jesus, you also need Jesus Christ. But the amazing thing is that the same way that Jesus was for that man, Jesus is here for you tonight. It's painful to see this man in this shape, in this situation. There's two words that come uh, that I see here in the verse that we read, uh, tombs or cemeteries and chains. This man was dwelling in tombs. Uh, it's um, back in Mexico, I used to live near a graveyard. And uh, 
people were always afraid and talking about ghosts and all those kind of things. And I remember trying, you know, daring my friends and all that, daring to go to a graveyard after some time at night. And uh, it wasn't fun. But I had to sometimes go through that graveyard just to go to school. And it's, it's an awful feeling. Even though nobody's going to reach out, you feel like somebody's going to reach out, you know. <laughs> Even though you know there's nothing going to happen, you feel like something's wrong, that you don't belong there. And it's right because the living don't belong amongst the dead. But this man was alive on the outside, but was dead in the inside. And he was, and back then, there was the, the, the cemeteries or the tombs were not underground, but were in caves. And this man would live in caves like we saw in the picture. And maybe he was in, maybe sleeping even amongst the bones and the, and the decaying uh, bodies there. It wasn't a good scene for us to see. This is the way he lived. Not only that, but he was all, uh, people tried to hold them with chains, useless. They couldn't hold them. He break them. The spirits gave him supernatural power. But the thing I want to point here is that people try to help. I imagine this person today in our time. Imagine a person like this in our time. Where would he be? Oh, he would be in a uh, jail, maybe. He would be in a, how do you call that, a psych robe or, you know, where... Psychiatric role, yeah, something like that. People trying to do something, not doing anything about it at the same time. Trying to help, but not really helping. People try to help him. Try to put him in one place because he was hurting himself, hurting other people. At least scaring other people. But they couldn't help him. Today, the same thing. Today, we have jails, prisons institutions, asylums, we have pills, we have distractions, we have hobbies, we have psychology. Nothing that I just mentioned really helps the soul. If you're hurting today, I just need, you need to understand this. Only Jesus can help you. Only Jesus can help No matter the efforts of the people, no matter how, how much they care, care, caring, not really helps. It kind of helps, but it doesn't. People, there were people here that cared for him, but couldn't help him. Because there's things in life, there's spiritual things in our own lives that the only person that can fix those is the one that really understands them. The only person that can really help you is the person that you already conquered those. And the only person that has done that is Jesus Christ. And so he wants us to understand that. There's no depravity. There's no defilement. There's no desperation that Jesus cannot free you from. Jesus can help. Like the man in the story, I know there's many people here and outside that live in desperation. They feel ashamed, not because they have a demon in their hearts, 
but because they have done so many evil in their lives. And they feel ashamed. There's people that don't have rest. Their past follows them, their mistakes, their failures. They haunt them like a demon hunts this man. So many, so many people harm themselves, like this man used to do it with rocks. But now people hurt themselves with drugs, alcohol, pills, bad relationships, anger, bitterness, hate. Maybe you're here today and you were hurting yourself five minutes ago, an hour ago. Let me tell you something. Jesus is here to help you. Many of us were that man. Not only hurting ourselves, but hurting others. Praise God that Jesus changed our life. Today, I want you to remember that day when Jesus came to your life. I think I've seen so many people change just by, the, just by remembering the day they got saved. Do you remember that day? Do you remember where you were when God, Jesus saved you? Take a minute or a couple of seconds. Just think about that. Would you take a couple of seconds and tell Jesus thank you? Let's do it right now. Thank you, Jesus. Just like this man needed you, we needed you too. And you came to our lives. Oh, God, thank you for delivering us, for saving us, for changing our lives. Thank you, God, because you cared and you had the will and the power to change us, to visit us. Thank you, Lord God. In your name we pray. Amen. No man-made solution can help the soul. Only Jesus Christ. Remember this when you talk to people. Remember this when you counsel people. So many times we tell people the, the dumbest uh, uh, suggestions or ideas. Oh, you need to change. You don't, you don't think he knows that he needs to change? They know it. They can change. You need to introduce Jesus to their lives. Oh, you need to leave, the, leave uh, drugs behind. They know that. They want you. They can't. They want to change their lives, but they can't. There's this man, and you're going to see this man having those, the demons inside controlling him, but at the same time, you know that this man is conscious, that he knows what's happening, and he's suffering. He's crying around. He's, he's hurting himself. We don't know if he's hurting himself because demons are making him do that or because sometimes you're suffering so much that you think hurting yourself alleviates. I know it doesn't make sense, but for that people, it makes sense. Maybe, and you know, the Bible says that he was crying in the streets and the mountains. Oh, how many people cry today. How many people cry today. And I do care for people that don't know Jesus Christ because I know they're crying today. And we need to care about them. 
But also my heart goes out to the people that already know Jesus Christ and they live like they don't know him. And they cry in desperation. They cry and they, they feel like there's no hope for them. I just, I'm here to tell you and to remind you something that you already know. Jesus is there for you. You don't have to cry in desperation. You, Jesus can turn your sorrow and hope. Jesus can turn your pain in joy. Jesus can turn your situation. He can do it. He has done it before. He will do it today if you allow him to do it. You don't have to be carrying this, whatever it is, by yourself. I know I'm talking about a demon-possessed person, but even though that's something that we don't see often, we do see people being hurt by Satan. We see the consequences, consequences of sin. We see the consequences of bad relationships, of bad decisions, and they hurt. Today I tell you, Jesus cares. In the same way that Jesus helped, he wants to help you. Stop trusting man-made solutions. Start trusting, stop trusting that. Sometimes we place our hope on a big change in politics, a change in the church. I don't know what kind of change we're looking for, but we want to change. We want to change in our family. We want somebody else to do what only God can do. Stop waiting on men and start asking God to do what he does best, save. He can save you. He will save you. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Let's keep reading verse uh, 6 to 13. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. That's really interesting. In Spanish, it doesn't say worship him. In Spanish, it only says that he knelt in front of him. So I'm going to talk about that later. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I do to you? I, I, I to do with you, sorry, Jesus, son of the most high God. I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man and clean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion because for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he will not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons bet him, all of them, 2,000, 6,000, we don't know, but all of them begged Jesus, saying, send us to the swine that we might enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission, and the unclean spirit went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned it in the sea. Before, before I move on, I just want to answer two questions that many people have. And uh, the first question is this. 
uh, does demonic possession exist today? What do you guys think? Yes or no? Yes. Definitely yes. Yes. Demon possession can be can still occur today. The symptoms would be similar to the, those found right here in the, in the New Testament. However, we must be extremely careful when we say that person is demon-possessed. It's, it's, we, we shouldn't be talking about this lightly. It does exist, but sometimes things that we believe is demon-possession is only that you ate a bad burrito last night. You know, and so just be careful. Be careful the way you uh, deal with that. Second question, as you can see, I'm not a theologian. Can a born-again Christian be demon-possessed? I'm not going to ask you to answer that one. I'll answer it for you. No. No. The Bible says that once you become a child of God, you are possessed by the Holy Spirit. You are possessed by the Holy Spirit. That means that he indwells in you, in your heart, forever. Now, a Christian can be afflicted by a demon. A Christian can be harassed by a demon, tempted by a demon. But all of this with a previous approval of God. Nothing happens if God doesn't approve it. Do you believe that? So a Christian can never be possessed by an unclean spirit because you have the Holy Spirit of God. And he defends you, he protects you, and he indwells in you forever. That's what the Bible says. You can read that in Romans 8, verses 9 and 11. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, chapter 6, verse 19. You can read that in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. So that's out of the way. Just to make sure that we understand that. You have more questions? Ask Pastor Derek. All right. <laughs> but there's something interesting in verse 6 and 7. I see um, something interesting that I was mentioning before. See how the Spirit went to Jesus, and the Bible says here that he worshiped Jesus. So I was reading that in, in uh, the New King James Version, and that. I wasn't familiar with that expression because when you read in Spanish, it doesn't say that. It only says that the, the demon or the demon-possessed person just went and kneeled in front of Jesus. So I went to the, uh, the Greek and tried to understand that. And, it, and uh, in fact, it does say worship. It does say worship. That was super interesting to me. Because this man... Is doing two things that don't belong together. He's worshiping God, Jesus, because, I mean, Jesus is God. So he's kneeling. He's recognizing that he is the God. They're all submitting, submitting to God. But at the same time, he's fighting against Jesus. Isn't that interesting? That there's... Truth, uh, there's, there's just, it doesn't make sense. But then I see myself. I saw myself in the mirror of the scripture. And I have done exactly the same thing. Have you done it? That it, exteriorly you're worshiping God. 
You're saying, oh, God, do whatever you want to do in my life. And as soon as you walk out, God is asking you to do that, and you're saying, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Have you ever been there? Yeah. Have you ever been in that place that you're using your mouth to proclaim Jesus Christ, but at the same time, time using your mouth to gossip, using your mouth to um, insult, is that the word? Other people, talk ill about people. I've been in that place. Last week, last Sunday, we were talking about hypocrisy. I think that's the definition of it, right? Just doing stuff with our bodies and with our mouths and doing the external things, but not submitting really to God, even being against Him. Sometimes we're nodding with our heads and saying, no, that's right, that's right. But just that. And we feel good about ourselves. You know, people would say, like, I, I probably, you know, there was the disciples around and seeing Jesus and seeing all that, what is happening. And they probably the disciples would say, oh, he's worshiping Jesus. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew what was in this man's heart. And so he didn't accept that worship. But he was casting those demons out. The other thing I can see there here is that Jesus' authority, it's above everything else. Isn't that great? Jesus' authority is above everything else. And that's the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the difference between our faith and any other faith. That we believe in the God Almighty that came in the flesh, lived the life that we can live, died in our place, but he resurrected victorious. Above Satan, the world, sin, above death, Jesus is powerful and he is the big man. He is the boss. And you can see that, I, I, I just love that. I love that. I love that demons kneel in front of Jesus Christ. Bible says that eventually all, every time will confess that Jesus is Kurios, the Lord. He is the Lord. You shouldn't be afraid. So many people are afraid of the devil. Oh, the devil this, the devil that. Just let me tell you something. Jesus is above Satan. Amen. Satan is not the same as Jesus. You can trust him. You can trust him. Many times I hear people just more interesting in the devil than in Jesus Christ. This is not a story about demons. This is a story about the power of Jesus Christ over demons. Amen? This is not a story about failure. Bible is not a story about failure. It's a story about God being the conqueror. And so we need to trust our God. There's so many things going wrong around us, for sure. For sure, there's so many things, many unexpected things. But we know something, that Jesus is in control. We should know that. 
Would you believe that? Would you live according to that principle that Jesus is in control? Now, many people also ask, I ask myself that. Let me tell you something. This is not in my notes, but it's happened. it happened today. My wife was driving in to our house, and there was a stray dog. That was weird because I don't see stray dogs in the U.S. I see a lot in Mexico. And so it was, it was interesting. But so my wife went and tried to help the dog, and the dog just jumped on the van. Jumped in the van. And he, it was hot and just, you know, and he was thirsty. He was lost. And so my wife, we don't have pets. I love dogs. I really, really like Back in Mexico, I have three dogs, all right? I didn't bring them because they, they like to fight. So... <laughs> But my, my wife brought in the dog and it says, oh, God, provide, I said. God, provide me a dog. No, I didn't say that. It's <laughs> so actually the dog is back with its owner. But it was, I was excited to see a dog. I was excited to have this beautiful husky dog. And it was beautiful and it was exciting, you know. And so when I see the story about the little piggies dying, it kind of hurts, you know, kind of hurts. First, because I love animals. Second, because I love bacon. You know? That's, that's, that's a loss there, you know? 2,000 pigs. So much bacon. But anyways, I do want to answer this. Why did Jesus allow demons to destroy those little pigs? I know, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. Let me tell you why. Because even though I love animals... There's people that love animals more than me, you know? And I have three answers. Why did Jesus allow demons to destroy those little piggies? First, because animals are not as important to God as we are. Can you say amen to that? Yeah? Oh, yeah. I have three doggies, but God loves me more than my three dogs. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because so many people treat animals better than humans. Now, I'm not talking about people outside. I'm talking people that believe in Jesus Christ and treat animals better than humans. Give more money towards animals. They rather have animals instead of babies. That is wicked. I'm being serious. That's not from God. For God so loved the world. And he is not talking about Fido. He's not talking about your bird. He's talking about you. God gave his one and lonely son for you and your neighbor. Bible says, saying, I've said that, but saying that, Bible says that the, the righteous man treats his animals justly. So if you care about your animals, praise God, you should, but never love animals more than the people that God die for. Can you say amen to that? 
Why did Jesus allow demons to destroy those little piggies? Well, because God shows that Jesus wanted to show what is the true purpose of Satan. And the true purpose of Satan is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we see that in those animals. And third, because Jesus is sovereign, he can do whatever he wants. Do you agree with that? He is sovereign over animal. He's sovereign over nature. He's sovereign over demons. He is sovereign over us, but he loves us. Praise God. Even though he's sovereign, he loves us also. And I think we should praise God for that. Thank him. Amen. Praise Jesus Christ for that. Let's read verses 14 to 17. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it to the city and in the country, and they went out and see what it, was, uh, what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw uh, to the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion. Note this. He was sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. You might ask, why? And those who saw it told them who it had, ha uh, who it had happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him, Jesus, to depart from the region. It's, I think this is the most, it's the beautiful part of the story, but also the saddest part of the story. You see a man change, completely change, but also a group of people that don't care. Jesus changed him. He was no longer around uh, in the tombs. He wasn't crying. He wasn't cutting himself. He was calm. He was seated. He was in peace in his heart. What a change, right? That's exactly the kind of change that Jesus does in our lives. This kind of change, Bible describes as being born again. The Bible describes it as having a new, uh, new nature in our lives, being a new creature, being sealed by the Holy Spirit. This is the change that God does. You know, this is a real change. So many people say, oh, I was uh, an alcoholic. I went to AA and my life changed. There's true in that, but not necessarily a real change. Because the change that Jesus provides is from within and out. It's something that happens in the heart and in the mind and the spirit of the person. It's not rehab. It's a new creature. It's a new nature. And that's what we see here. We see this man that's he's, now he's wearing clo clothing. He's no, long, no, no longer naked. Now he has exterior proof of what had happened in his heart. The clothing is a sign that there's something. Before he, he couldn't, they couldn't tame this man with chains. Now he's wearing clothing and he's calm. An exterior sign of what God has done in, in his life. This is, in the Bible, we can see that in our lives. 
Because we can see people that has really been changed. We can see it in the way they talk, the way they do business, the way they treat their family, the way they treat their kids, the way they treat their animals, the way they see other people that don't agree with them. You can see a change in this person because God has changed him. And I do want to ask you, I need to ask myself, is, does people can see the change that God made in your heart? People need to see that there is hope in Jesus. People need to see the miracle. It's sad so, so many times that people don't know that we're Christians unless we tell them, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I wouldn't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I go to this in this church. I mean, you know, do a church a favor. <laughs> if people don't notice that you're a Christian, don't tell them where you go. <laughs> people should know by the way you live. People should know by the way you live. People could tell this person has changed because now he's sitting down and he's calm, he's wearing clothing, he's, something happened with this person. Not only that, but he's, the Bible says that he's calm. It's interesting to see, you know, this, the, the evil spirits will take this, this peace from him. He was crying out. He was hurting himself. Now the Holy Spirit is in him. And now he has peace. He has the fruit of the Spirit. Things that he has never failed before. Love. Mercy. Joy. Peace, kindness. This man is experiencing all this in that moment. When was the last time you were filled by the Spirit? When was the last time you experienced that calmness that comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? You notice how the Holy Spirit interacts with a person Versus how his evil spirit interacts with the person. While the evil spirit just tries to destroy, the Holy Spirit just, it's calm, a gentle spirit. That's what we have, a gentle spirit from God. A spirit that leads us. A spirit that it's in us and uses us, but also allows us to be who we are. Isn't that great? Isn't that great that this Holy Spirit is seeing you? But also, it's interesting to see that, and we need to learn this, because this man couldn't resist the demons. But the Bible says that we can resist the Holy Spirit. The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit is so gentle that sometimes we do uh, grieve the Spirit in our hearts. How do we do that? when we go back to the old ways, when we go back to the way of living by our, for ourselves and not for Jesus Christ, I do want to encourage you today. Allow Jesus, allow the Spirit to move in your life today. Allow the Spirit. And today, after the teaching, we're going to have an, uh, an afterglow time just to allow the Spirit to speak through us and in us. Allow the Spirit to move in us. And so I do want to encourage you to allow him to do that. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the victor over spirits. Jesus sets the captives free. 
but Jesus demands a decision. And we see people here saying, you know what, Jesus, we don't want you here. Those people that care about this demon possessed, this demoniac person, care enough to put him in chains. Now that they see him free, a different person, they don't care as they thought they care. They don't want Jesus there. I know that Jesus allowed this to test the heart of that people. Jesus showed himself as the life, the hope, and the salvation, but people didn't want him there. They were more preoccupied on the pigs than what Jesus was doing in their lives. They chose prosperity over love. They chose money over Jesus. They chose their simple and meaningless life over newness of life. They chose human resources over divine power. So sad. So sad. And tonight we are here with the same challenge. Are we going to choose for Jesus? Or are we going to make the decision to live a simple life without him? Our normal life without him. How does the story end? Let's read verses 18 to 20. And when he got into the boat, Jesus, it's interesting that he didn't say anything. He just went back to the boat. And he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but say to him, go home to your friends. What friends? And tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in the capitalist and that that all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. I just want to remind you this, that freedom leads, leads sorry, to mission. Freedom leads to mission. If you are free, you have a mission. If you say that you are free in Christ, then you have a mission. We are not free to do whatever we want, we have not been freed just to, to enjoy life. We have been freed from Satan. We have been freed from this world. We have been freed for, from our past because God wants us to enter into his mission. This is what the Bible says, that he went back to the boat and then this man before was begging to Leave him. Remember the first starting of our story? This man was begging Jesus, leave me alone, Jesus. Now he's begging, Jesus, I want to be with you. Isn't that interesting? Let me tell you something. When you're at church watching your clock, there's an issue there. Because when you know Jesus, you just want to be with him. You want to enjoy Jesus through his word, through worship. You're not asking yourself, how long is this going to be? And I'm telling you right now, my English is not good, so this is going to be long. No, no, not really. 
But what I'm saying is that, you know, you really want to be with Jesus. Better one day in your house, Lord, than a thousand out of them. And this is what the Bible is saying. This man wants to follow him, but also he's committed to obedience. Jesus said, you know what? No, you're not going. I mean, talking about bad advertisement strategy. I mean, if you want to be famous, take this man with you, right? Just take him with you and just, you know, one of your projects here. I save this guy and he can show, you know, his before and after pictures. But he didn't. Jesus didn't do that because Jesus doesn't care about fame. He cares about people. And he told him, go back to your family. Tell him, this is interesting, what the Lord has done to you. Jesus is saying of himself that he is the Lord. Some people say, oh, Jesus never said he is God. Well, right here he's saying he is the Lord. The word kurios, it means Lord. And there's only one Lord, God Almighty. And Jesus is the Lord God Almighty. And he's saying to this man, go back. And this man goes, we don't have his name again. But he goes back and tells everybody. Decapolis, that means 10 different cities. So when he was done with Vegas, he went to Utah. <laughs> you know, that's what he did. He had a mission Today, I tell you, if you're freed from Satan, you also have a mission. You have the mission to be light. You have the mission to be salt. You have the mission to be an angel for God. It's interesting because when the Bible says that Jesus said, go and tell, go and tell, the word is, comes from the word, the Greek word comes from the word, Angelos, where we get our word angel, messenger. It's interesting. The, the author of this book is using, I believe, a wordplay here because before he was possessed by demons and now he's an angel of the Lord. Now he's a messenger of the Lord. Isn't that great? What God can do. But he took it to heart. He not only wear the tag of an angel, he was an angel for the Lord. He was sharing the gospel. Oh, sometimes we enjoy the name. Oh, Lord, thank you because I'm your son. Oh, thank you because I'm your daughter. Oh, thank you because I'm freed. But only the tag. We need to go out and share the gospel. We need to go out and speak of the wonders that God has done in our lives. So before I end, I do want to ask you, is there somebody in your life that you need to share what God has done in your life? And the answer is yes. There is one. There's more than one. Think about this person, dear Christian, and start being a light in the darkness. I also want to ask you, do you need freedom? Jesus is here. He can make you free.
Do you need hope? Jesus can give you hope. Do you need purpose? He has purpose for you. Do you need to belong? You can belong to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. We love you, Jesus. We are amazed of what you can do. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful, real story about your power, your mercy, your love, your willingness to change people. Today, as we humble ourselves to your word, we ask you to move in our lives. We ask you, Lord, to do the same tonight, Lord. Make your power visible. Make your willingness available. Lord God, make the captive free. As we pray, church, keep praying. I do want to ask, is there anybody here that needs freedom, real freedom, from Jesus Christ. Maybe like the man in our story, you are suffering, maybe in silence, maybe in secret, or maybe your suffering is obvious to everybody but nobody can help. Now Jesus is here to help. He can help because he not only helped this man, but Jesus died and rose again from the dead. He is alive and he is here today to forgive you of your sins, to make your past go away, and to give you a bright future and a hope for your life. Is there anybody here? I want to ask, please, the... Uh, follow-up team if you can come up up front but I do want to ask is there anybody here that needs freedom can you please raise your hand I want to pray for you I see your hand thank you I see your hand I see your hand by raising your hand I see your hand behind back there I see your hand thank you as you raise your hand, you're saying, Lord God, I know I need freedom. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's your past. I see your hand. Maybe it's only ideas or concepts in your life. Or maybe it's hurt, suffering. Maybe you're suffering today because you have tried to help yourself and you can. Maybe you are doing exactly the same thing that many people do going to the pills, going to different options, hobbies, friends, relationships, sinful actions that really don't help. Today, today, there's freedom for you. Is there anybody else? Just raise your hand, please. I do want to pray for you. God sees you and he wants to help you. I see your hand. I see your hand back there. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you very much. God sees your hand. Let me pray for you right now. God, thank you. 
Thank you for each person that today is willing to leave their past behind and allow you to bring freedom to their lives. Would you do that today, Jesus Christ? Would you take their lives? Would you submit anything that is not from you, submit it to your will, and take it away from their lives? Please, Lord, help each person that has raised their hands. I do want to ask you all, please send up as, as we're praying. Can you please, please send up everybody? And I do want to ask you to take just a minute, a minute to thank God in your heart. And as we pray, I want to ask all the people that has raised their hands, can you please come up front? If you raise your hand, can you please come up front and just, I want to pray for you and with you. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. This is a step of faith for sure, but God wants you to take it. We're all praying. You are thankful that Jesus freed you from sin, from past. Just right there in your place, just thank him. right there in your place I, I just want to ask you I want to pray for you like this can you follow me in this prayer Lord God you know my heart you know my life and you know my hurt I ask for forgiveness I ask for healing I ask for deliverance I pray and I ask not because I deserve it, but because I believe in your mercy and your love and your power. Today, I give it all to you. Today, I allow you to do whatever you want to do in my life. And I, I allow myself to trust you completely. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. And your name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen.